Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest, his name is Jeff Zorn. It is Jeff Zorn. Zorn is how I pronounce it, right, Jeff? Zorny. Zorny. Oh, I'm glad I asked you. I do not like pronouncing people's names wrong. <laughs> Jeff Zorny is our guest today, and we are going to talk with him about searching for peace and meaning after loss. And he is definitely going to have a lot to say about this and is an expert on multiple loss because he's had multiple loss. Jeff Zorny has helped thousands of people heal from deep emotional wounds. In 1991, after the deaths of Jeremy and Amelia, ages 4 and 2, in an automobile accident, Jeff's search for meaning led him to the psychology and development of the grief program, comprised of what he found most helpful to his healing. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks so much. Hi, Jeff. Great to have you on. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about Jeremy and Amelia. They died in England, right? Yeah, they did. It was our remote part of England on one of those... uh, Typical, uh, stereotypical, you know, dark and stormy nights. And um, this uh, car came out of nowhere, and I realized when those two children uh, were killed in that crash that it didn't matter who I knew or what I knew or how much money I made. It was a totally devastating nightmare for me. And uh, we loaded them up on the plane, and we came back to this country, and I went on a mission to feel good and uh, tried everything and it took a long time to go through a lot of different things that weren't working. Now, Jeff, what were you doing at the time? What were you doing in England? It was on vacation, um, part business, part vacation. We were just trying to work our way through uh, the Cotswolds and that beautiful part of West. Oh, yeah. That's pretty wild up there. Yeah, and a car came out of nowhere and struck our car, and uh, my son was in a coma for three days, and wow. we, we uh, finally had to end that. and. There was just nothing we could do. It was just uh, a... Now, who was in the coma? I'm sorry. Which, uh, one of your children were in the coma or both? Both were in the car. I mean, who was... Did you say they were in a coma? Oh, uh, not you said coma. Uh, One was in a coma. Amelia, 18 months, was killed instantly. Wow. And Jeremy was in a coma for three days. And your wife, how was she? She had three feet of scars on her. They did the jaws of life and all that, and she had a lot of internal bleeding, and uh, we were air ambulanced back to this country. Oh, my gosh. Wow. What an and so when you experience. came back to the country, your children were in coffins with you? Correct. Correct. That's yep, in the really belly traumatic. Of... That's traumatic. Very. Wow. So what, what kind of business were you in then? I was a writer and an editor just doing some research, putting together articles over there. Uh-huh. Wow. So so you really moved into a whole different realm from that experience. Yes. Um, I, I really did. I, I came back and tried support groups, and it seems like people were tending to be stuck in their stories, and at least I was. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, Mrs. Johnson over here is in as much pain 25 years later than when her little dicky drowned. And I don't know, I needed some real help, and I read everything on grief there was, and uh, the books told me how I was feeling, but I already knew how I was feeling. I was feeling devastated. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, so what was your first break, or what, what do you want to call it? Your first, your first shift. insight shift. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and well, and one more step in there, if I may. I went to therapy, and I believe in that. Therapy's great, but they told me to let go and move on, and so I was wondering, let go of what and move on to where? Oh, mm-hmm. I love those questions, Jeff. Gosh, really? And then, 
I heard you outgrow your therapist, so I got a new therapist. And he said, you need to accept your brokenness. <laughs> well, how do I do that? Well, you just keep coming. So I did. I spent thousands and thousands. And while it was a good experience, I had come to the point where I have to recover or die. Uh-huh. Recover or die. And, and how long did that take you, just for our audience out there? The only reason I'm asking you these details is because there are people saying, okay, that's where I am right now. Yeah, right. How long? What, what that, that, not, Well, for me, it took two years. I wish it hadn't taken that long. I mean, if we have a broken leg, we don't wait two years to go to the ER. People think, how uh, is it too soon to start my grief work? Well, it, no. Uh, so uh, it, for me, I, I, was, I was trying in vain for something that would make me feel better. And I just came across this concept of grief recovery, and I started to remember Jeremy and Amelia for the way they lived, not just the way they died. It was a profoundly uh, unexpected experience. And and how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Getting complete or finishing the unfinished business that all was keeping me stuck in wishing things were different, all the regret, all the wishing things had been different, all the the failure, all that stuff. Uh, it was just I was just so unresolved and unfinished with it, if that makes sense. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. By delivering to him, even though he was buried. I was able to make these unsaid things to him, about him. I love you. I miss you. Goodbye. Mm. And you Goodbye were... to, the, to the physical relationship that was. Why? So I can say hello to the new emotional, spiritual perspective in that relationship. That way I get to remember them for the way they lived. Because you know what? They leave a legacy of love, not pain. Right. And all I was keeping was the pain. Right, right. So, so how I said you, a lot like that. How right did you then. do uh, it, though? Was it just in your mind? Did you write, or did you, you know, what did you do? Say one more time, ride, right? Right. I think that um, it was being heard, H-E-A-R-D, heard. Okay. I think that's the key. And I think people have been writing letters and writing things and putting them into fires or whatever for years and with no real relief. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, uh, people go to Starbucks and just talk about what happened and talk, 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 talk. People who come right. to me are tired of talking about it. Okay, and so what do you do? What if I arrived to you and I'm in bad shape? Let's look at the loss that is most responsible for the tentativeness, restriction, and shutdown in your life. Uh-huh. Can you plug into your head that what brings you to me may not be the loss you work on? Then let's inventory that loss and look at the things that were good in it, the things that were not so good, and those will lead us to the undelivered emotions because our heart has a motto. Our heart, this is going to sound strange, our heart says, i got to go out there and make yesterday different. And the head, so, head goes, that's crazy. Oh, you can't do that. You know, I'm from Texas, that's coming out. But the heart has to go out and do that. And so we keep talking about it. And if I can understand what happened to me, if I can make sense out of what happened to me, then I'll feel better. No, you can't fix your heart with your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... If we can look at the emotional truths, the undelivered communications about what happened, we can say goodbye to the pain. We can keep the good stuff, keep the fond memories, keep our hopes of seeing them again, if that's true for those, feeling that way, alive. Mm-hmm. Finishing what was so we can live with what is. I like that, finishing what was to, so we can live with what is. Yeah, You know, um, I think, Heidi, what I'm picking up from Jeff on the uh, uh, when we talk to him is really interesting because... Um, it's kind of a guy approach to grief, I think. Do you feel that a little bit, Heidi? Yeah, I like it, yes, because yeah. it's very like there's a lot of good coaching kind of tips and tools, and people need that. I mean, the idea of saying goodbye to physical relationships and hello to emotional relationships, 
thinking about the way that the people we love live, not the way that they died. There's so much good hands-on information that Jeff is giving us. Yeah, I think it's really, really important kind of information. Well, Jeff, um, so you so you figured out some of these tools for yourself and to move on, and I know there are people who have had multiple loss out there. Do you think there's any difference when it's multiple loss? Well, I think everyone grieves at 100%, and grief comes in one size. You can imagine that having lost two kids, I get people all the time saying, well, I just lost my mom or my dad or my sister or someone. It's nothing compared to losing children. Well, grief comes in one size, extra large. And we can't compare, we can't minimize. Um, there's so many things that we do to try to, well, you just need to be grateful. Oh, yeah, if I focus on how grateful I am in America, then somehow this furball of unresolved hurt that keeps me in pain, isolation, and loneliness will somehow magically be expunged from my body. I don't know if being grateful is going to help with that. I, th- I believe in being grateful any more than being strong. Right. Hey, you know and what? what? Um, I think those are some good points. We've got a caller, and I think we want to take it so we don't run out of time. It's Patrick from Georgia. Hi, Patrick. Are you there? Yeah, I am, Gloria. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Hi, Heidi. Hi, it's Patrick, Heidi. Very good. <laughs> hey, Patrick, have you got a question or a comment or thought for our guest? <laughs> Yeah, I just had a question for Jeff. Um, I was wondering, I was listening to him talk about how he kind of wandered around for the first two years with uh, support groups and therapy and things like that. And I was wondering, does he think that that was necessary uh, in order to prepare him for developing the Greek program or to get him ready to be able to do that? I mean, I, I think support groups do help a lot of people and I think therapy would help a lot of people uh, but you have to find out what's right for you and sometimes that involves a lot of trial and error. So I just was wondering about his his feelings about that first couple of years. Mm. I hear what you're saying Patrick, good question. Um, I think that going, first of all, I think that going to a support group is better than the tendency of grieving people which is to stay home, uh, close down the blinds, Throw in a DVD and order out because I'm so tired of hearing this stuff from people like get on to keep busy. I'm so tired of that. I'm just going to stay home. Mm-hmm. So going to support groups is probably better than that. And yet, in my opinion, um, it's still a band-aid because we're not looking at long-term relationships with pain. And, Gloria, I hear what you're saying about it. maybe it's a guy approach. Um, I do believe in we need to sit in our pain. We need to feel what we feel. But, Patrick, we, you know, if we had a broken arm, uh, you know, you wouldn't hesitate to go to the ER. Um, was that two years part of my process? Yes. Is it necessary, your word? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I love this because, Heidi, I love uh, two guys talking here and Me this too. guy approach because we don't hear enough of it. You know, a lot of uh, the group stuff that goes on, I'll have to say, is with women. Yes. Uh, 90% of my clients are, are women in their 50s, with all respect. And, uh, you know, they just can't go anymore with... Retail therapy. I'll just go spend money at the mall. Um, I'll, I'll go, you know, drug, sex, and alcohol over my pain. Right. Keep strong, you know. Now, people are going to wonder, uh, is Patrick still on or did he go off? No, I'm here. Oh, hey, Patrick, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. And take care, and maybe we'll see you the next Compassionate Friends. Indeed. Okay, Thanks, bye-bye. Patrick. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, uh, what I wanted to um, say about this is people now, they like what you're saying. I, have you written anything about it? Have you got anything on their site, or do they have to come and see you? No, um, I have a lot of stuff on my site under articles, uh, thegriefprogram.com, 
and um, it's G-R-I-E-F, as you know, and not many people out there. Every time I get emails, it's G-R-E-I-F. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things we'd probably like to find out from you is if you want to write for us and Heidi can get in touch with you because I know people are going to want more of what you're talking about. Um, now, tell well, me, tell us a little bit. We want to know about your health and healing because I know people wonder how you're doing now after this multiple losses. So you've gone on. You've you've you have another family, but four kids. But the reality is, if I said to you, "Oh, you've got other kids now," good for you. What, <laughs> you know? what would be your response? Well, um, I would say thank you very much for the sentiment, and I do have those other children, and I'm so grateful for them. And at the same time, I don't know if uh, those children can make up for the profound loss of those two. Um, all I knew how to do after Jeremy and Amelia died was when you fall off a horse, you get back on. <laughs> There's a guy approach. And so we went out and had a new daughter again, Sophia, who's obviously the sunshine of our lives. She's 17 now. And, um, you know, and yet I- I'm... I'm vulnerable enough to ask this question. Was I finished with the death of those two children before I went out and had another? Uh-huh. I doubt it. Uh-huh. So I was in to replace the loss. You know, there are many, plenty of fish in the sea when it comes to divorce and breakup. I'll go get another girlfriend and another and another. It's like these myths that keep us stuck and just keep adding to the furball. The uh-huh. unresolved hurt. And so when you turn 50 or 60 and I can't go anymore, then you come see me. <laughs> Right. That's kind of how I see it. Okay, now tell me this, and our audience is going to want to know this. I know they are. And how are you now? Are you happy? I would say that I'm happy now. I'm, I'm to the point now, and this is going to sound very strange, but you realize this is almost 20 years. I am now, only now, becoming to be grateful for the opportunity to have been a bereaved parent. Ah. That's a big statement. It's a garment every day that I get up and put on. It doesn't define me, but it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I think I've been able to incorporate and assimilate that loss into my very beingness to not define me, but certainly a very integral part of who I am to this day. Wow, I hear a lot of hope in there. How about you, Heidi? Absolutely, yes. The idea that it does not define you, but it's it's part of your integral being and probably part of the connection you have with your children now. I mean, the appreciation we have oh, for those yeah. in our lives is so great when we've had loss because we've lo- we know what it feels like to have loved and lost. Exactly. Well said. I could, that's perfect. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any special tips for our folks out there just, you know, to get through the day-to-day? Well, you know, when it comes to tips and techniques, um, that's, these are kind of band-aids because there are a lot of people right now who don't want to go to the mall and they're being driven by this unfinished business and pain from their past such that the stimuli at the mall in on the TV and these things about family togetherness and makes it really, really thing, hard. Yeah. Staring down the empty chair at holiday dinners can be devastating. Mm-hmm. So one way would be to certainly... Um, Take a risk and tell the truth about yourself. Um, so many things we keep buried and stuffed inside, people don't want to hear about it. Sometimes when we risk vulnerability, when we do reach out and actually tell someone how we're feeling, how are you doing today, Jeff, instead of fine, it's like, well, not so good. I'm missing my two kids today, but thank you for asking. Um, little tips of, of telling the truth about yourself without having to have people change a subject or avoid, or like, ooh, I don't want you, that's the grief person. 
that, that that's a tough call this time of year. And I suppose when people get back and you know, comfort and privacy of their living rooms and being willing to sit in that pain and look honestly at the emotion instead of the shortcuts and the medications and the things we do to try to avoid. That's yeah. the worst. Yeah. I, I love a guy saying this. Heidi, how about you? I, I absolutely do, too. And, you know, Jeff reminds me a lot of Eric Hippel. I keep going back to that in my mind. Eric is somebody, Jeff, that we wrote a book with who was a former quarterback in the NFL for 10 years. Some of wow. your, your advice and stuff is, is kind of right on with where, where, how he deals with his loss and how he's kind of found hope again. Yeah, and it's so good for men to hear this. I mean, mm-hmm. Heidi and I are always saying we've got to have more male shows because, you know, men have got to hear this. Absolutely, and I love when Jeff said, Mom, it's, it was either recover or die. Right. I had to kind of get with the program. It's not yep, like you had to get with the program of living again and reinvesting in your life, Jeff. Exactly. You know, feelings are not okay out there generally, um, but for men especially. And, you know, we're, we're conditioned, like, you look fine, then you must be fine, so we don't go get help. And it, it, it is sad that we men just stuff it and we, we keep going, and it's like, wow, you know, when can I just be a human being for a minute and turn my happy face up t- upside down just for a minute? And I uh, actually feel devastated. Yeah, because and, you know, you're, you're, taught to, you're taught to suck it up, walk it off, be a man, and don't cry, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I love how you said to your friends when they say, well, how are you? At times when you're not, you say, well, I'm actually missing my kids today, so I'm not doing that well. You're teaching people to be good grief support. Yeah, exactly. You, you really are, Jeff. You're great. And uh, it, oh, it's nice. really wonderful to have you on the show and have this, the strong energy, the strong uh, perspective about it. And and I can hear what you're saying about uh, the group kind of thing and that kind of thing because we have a lot of men that tell us exactly the same thing. And we're hoping, you know, reaching out on the net like this, particularly with men on the program, that men will hear this, that, you know, this idea of accept your brokenness, uh, reach, recover or die, you know, uh, go on. I mean, that's a, that's a very powerful, powerful message. It, it is. And it's, you know, it's it's it's... It's dangerous. I mean, it's dangerous too if we leave it untended. That this splinter in our foot or our finger, if we leave it untended, you know, it can fester. And you know, uh, so, in the same way, I, I love this this quote: "Those who refuse to grieve get stuck in melancholy. It's like a low-grade infection takes over, and now I, this pain defines me for the rest of my life. And I just kind of have this flat-line existence now that I ease into the later years and ultimately to death. I mean, not to be morbid or morose, but." It's like, you know, we can get that unresolved grief blocks our capacity to feel joy and happiness and to make choices and to have our intuition and spontaneity. And if we can get this fur ball of pain out, uh, you know, melt the snowball, whatever metaphor you pick, then maybe we can actually get back to the present moment. Well, we've got a caller, Marquita from Virginia. Are you on, Marquita? I sure am. Hi. Welcome to Healing the Grieving Heart. Thank you. Did you have a question or a thought? Um, I just I just got on my Facebook and saw your phone number and I was so pushed to call. Um, I'm I'm a teacher in Virginia and I'm on my lunch break and um, you know I what we call it is through my parent heart watch group we call our loss our angel date which is my son Jamie's angel date um, would be January twenty second uh, two thousand four so we're Coming up close to and what's his uh, name? Jamie. Jamie. Okay. Mm-hmm. And goes out to you. Huh? 
I said our heart goes out to you today. Thank you so much. Um, He was diagnosed at 15 with uh, an arrhythmia, no heart abnormalities, no no problems at all um, at 15, and we were told that it was nothing to worry about, that he would grow out of it, and if he didn't grow out of it by the time he was 18, that they would do an ablation, and he died at 18 years old. A month and 22 days, and uh, we were totally blown away because we had been told the, the whole three years not to worry, and, you know, being a mother, I'm like, why didn't I get this, and I didn't really start researching it until after he passed away, and I realized that that's so not the case, that it was something to worry about, and... I'm glad that we didn't worry about it because he had a full life and he did everything that he needed to do. But it's like I told a teacher just an hour ago, I said, if we had known the real truth about his condition, maybe he would have lived a slower life but a longer life. So I'm not sure which is the better way, to live his life the fullest but shorter or slower and longer. Jeff, so have, I, you got a, have you got some help for her there? Well, um, gosh, it sure breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you're asking questions like that. That's an, If God himself came down here and told you the answer to that question, uh, you'd have a piece of information that you don't have right now. I wonder if he would expect you to feel better. I don't think so. Um, I still think that you'd be left with a broken heart. So I say that. Uh, not so much to be spiritual as um, I don't think getting our questions answered in our head is really the key to feeling better or mending a broken heart. Does that make sure. sense? Sure. So, you know, it's probably uh, a very devastating experience for you, and I just can't imagine uh, what you've been carrying, you know, to start with. It's just kind of contain and hear that for a moment. It's and really hard. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, I, I'm sorry. Fortunately, I have a lot of support, and um, Jamie had so many wonderful, very close, dear friends that I'm still close to now that I met after he passed, and um, to this day, I'm still... Let me interject with this, with all love and respect. Do you remember the last thing you said to him? I do. What was that? Uh, I love you. Mm. I always ended every conversation that I had with him with I love you, whether it was in person, over the phone, whether we were angry. I always told him, don't ever walk away from someone that you love without saying I love you. Don't ever end it badly. And I'm so blessed that I don't have that guilt because I already go through enough torture. But I do, that is such a condolence to me is that I know he knows how much I loved him and obsessed over him pretty much, you know? Yep. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show, and, and good luck in getting through the holidays. And I would say uh, uh, my thought for you, and I don't know, Jeff, what your thought is about this, but take care of yourself and have people come in and help you and and open your heart because uh, he knew you loved him. And, and, well, thank, uh, thank you and, so much. And, and, and I just want to say that, that Jamie and you just touched thousands of lives by calling in. Because everybody out there that's listening, which is thousands of people, know that they are not alone and that there's someone on the universe in the universe that is going through the same thing. And thank you so much for your call. Absolutely. Well, did, and keep listening so in. Much. 
I did want to tell you, too, that there is a candle lighting ceremony for everyone across the nation that have lost a child on Sunday at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock, and they have it in every city. Um, if you want to light a candle in your home, you will know that there's thousands upon thousands of people all over the nation that are lighting a candle as well. Absolutely, um, the Compassionate Friends candle lighting. Exactly, and 7, I will be yeah, at 7 p.m. as well. All around yep. the world, and go on the CompassionateFriends.com website. And I'm yes. glad to hear you're a member of Compassionate Friends. Thank you so much. Take care, Marquita. Thank you guys taking the time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Jeff, and we really Absolutely. appreciate it. And uh, I know you've given people a lot of help and, and hope today. So thanks a lot, and, and we'll be in touch. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.